Fab Lab Podcast, Episode 72, Consequences or Coaching. Welcome to the Fab Lab, the stone industry's only podcast dedicated exclusively to the business side of your stone shop, where we focus on improving operations inside the business so we can experience more life outside of it. So let's get down to business. Welcome back to the Fab Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Crowley, on another beautiful Friday afternoon. Great to be back, Aaron. Audience, fellow fabricators, fans of the Fab Lab podcast, so glad to be back with you. You know, we had an interview last episode. Today, we're back dealing with another topic. But before we get to that topic, before Wes and I, Aaron and Wes, host and co-host, before we get to that topic, want to mention a milestone that we crossed. 10,000 downloads, Wes, earlier this week. We did it. We made it. You know, here, actually, we didn't do it. We did it. We made a lot of ground in a short amount of time. Yeah, it's the audience that did yes. it. We saw a huge spike. Thanks to you, fellow fabricators, f- fans, followers mm-hmm. of the Fab Lab podcast. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have seen that. Now, what does that mean? In and of itself, it's not necessarily this huge deal. But at the same time, it means that, number one, you must have been sharing the podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Couldn't, thank you. Could not have done it without you. What it also means is that this, the, the messages that we're, you know, that we're dealing with here, the topics that we're confronting... Uh, they're having an impact. Seems to be an appetite for uh, the business side, you know, dealing with the business side of a stone shop. And so, everybody, we just wanted to loop back with you. We kind of made that push there a couple of weeks ago, and wow, we did it. 10,000 downloads. Have no idea how that compares to other podcasts in the world. Probably a few shy of Joe Rogan's podcast, but we're, we're right, catching up. We're right on the hills. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, fellow fabricators, so glad to be back with you. Today we're going to talk about the difference between consequences and coaching. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you listen to this podcast for any length of time, you know I wrote a book, Less Chaos, More Cash. You also know that we talk a lot about delegating and using processes to effectively communicate what we as owners and managers want done so that our employees can meet our expectations, can do the work right the first time so it's more profitable, fewer mistakes, fewer remakes, that kind of thing. So two most common questions I've ever been asked since writing that book. Number one was, can you just send me the forms? (laughs) That's the number one most common response. Hey, Aaron, I hear you talking about those forms. Can you just send them to me? Second most common question asked is, so what are the consequences for an employee who gets the process and fails to follow it or fails to produce the result? That is a great question. Makes total sense as to why it's the second most popular question. So we're going to get into that today. But before we do, I want to mention a word from our sponsor. Who's our sponsor today, Wes? Our sponsor today is NoLif Install System. I had a really interesting conversation yesterday. This is real time with a former installer who still works for my company. Now the reason he is a former installer is because he was previously an installer and the wear and tear on his body got to the point where he could not do that job any longer. Physically cannot do that job any longer. And the fact is he's probably gonna experience some residual negative physical aspect for a long time. And, and having sat down and had this conversation with this individual, I even asked him, you know, do I need to make a, do, do I need to apologize to you? Because if I do, I will. But it just, the gravity of this situation, being confronted face to face, not being able to escape out the window hmm. of my office or the door because he was sitting <laughs> between hmm. me and the door, 
it just brought home the reality of what installing 3CM countertops will do to somebody over a long period of time, or in some cases, a short period of time. And so, fellow fabricators, if you've got installers out in the field, there's two parts to this. There's one, the practical aspect of it. We talk about it here all the time, about the, just the labor shortage. Can you afford to you know, lose a skilled installer? That's number one. Number may seem like the most pressing question, but number two, it's the humanity. It's the fact just like the silica issue in this industry is now becoming something that we can't escape, it, it's rising to the level of being unavoidable. There are deaths now traced directly to silicosis caused by a very dusty environment cutting quartz and granite in a fabrication facility. So you can't escape it. And so that's the fact. No lift is a solution, but, but the solution is there because there's a problem. And the problem is there because lifting countertops on a day-to-day -day basis, the lifting, the reaching, the stretching, the straining, it just has a physical toll that's unavoidable. So fellow fabricators, if you've got skilled installers that you want to retain, that you want to keep employed, that you want to maintain that skilled labor, but more than that, if you want to just do right by them, Knowing what you know about what lifting those countertops is probably doing to their body at this very moment. Fantastic way to deal with that issue, to deal with the physical aspect, to deal with the moral aspect. I'll say it. Mm -hmm. Is to buy the equipment that will alleviate that wear and tear, that strain that is so common and so unavoidable in that job. And so, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't visited noliftsystem.com, that's a way to solve that problem in your company. NoLiftSystem.com. You need to visit them today if you haven't already. So back to our topic, Wes. Consequences or coaching? What's it going to be? Well, what's the difference? Talk, talk to me about the difference of them. Well, th now that word is the word that is most commonly used. What are the consequences? And, and, and I think about, okay, so that's, a, that's oriented around discipline. So the thought that comes to my mind is a drill sergeant. When I think of, aside from children, you know, i got to discipline my children occasionally when they do things that are out of line that are important for them to be corrected. There sometimes are consequences. I take away a privilege. You, you speak in a certain way to your mother. I'm sorry, you just lost privileges or maybe something else, some tan off your hind end. So you have to suffer on some element. In, in a sense, you're inflicting some sort of uh, maybe, maybe emotional pain, <laughs> uh, physical pain. I mean, I, we, we switch our little kids occasionally to get their attention, absolutely. But you can't do that to an employee. It, it, and you, and you can't do that in a working environment. So when I think of consequences, I think of discipline, pain. I think of a drill sergeant in the Army where you've got an 18-year-old kid who just signed up and now can't get There's no way out, man. You got him. And you can say anything you want to them. You can scream in their face. You can inflict physical pain on them to a certain degree. Kind of like motivating them by fear. Yeah, it's, it's a fear-based motivation for sure. I, I don't see that working in a working environment. Their employment is voluntary. There is, you, you impose consequences. You act like a drill sergeant. You attempt to inflict pain on them in some way, shape, or form to extract you know, uh, this exchange. You know, you've made a mistake that's cost me money. You've not followed the process, and so we've, we've suffered other consequences, a delay, a remake, something like that. You just caused me more frustration. Whatever that is, we want to, in, in a sense, have that exchange, have that transaction. You've cost me something, so I want it to cost you something. 
Okay, that is, a, I think, a very common, almost default, second nature. That's how yes. our human minds work. It, it's, it's a tit for tat. You know, mm-hmm. you, you wrong me, I want to wrong you. You do something wrong, I want you to pay for it. You should suffer the consequences. It really is, the, I think, the basis for that, that mentality or that, that default or that, that question. How, I've implemented this process. Now, someone hasn't followed it. Shouldn't there be a consequence? So I well, want to. I just want to say real quick on something like that. If you do do that, how do you uh, measure if they've suffered enough, or if <laughs> they've gotten like? Is it tell you satisfied? Is it tell you they feel like they've suffered enough? I mean, it's such yeah. a harsh tool to measure. Yep. So doing that doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense if you think through it. Yeah, it's harsh and it's impossible to measure, and it, because you're going to probably have different. I mean, what do you? What are what are some potential consequences? Well, I could make you pay for this mistake. Make you go home, uh, miss work unpaid. Yep. Take it out of your paycheck over the next, you know, twenty years while you pay for that slab. You know, clean the bathroom. What? What? what, In a working environment, really, what are the realistic quote unquote consequences that are available to an owner or a manager in the interest? So that's issue number one. What, What are your available consequences? Number two. Let's ask this question. How likely is inflicting some consequence on that individual? How likely is that to actually get them to achieve the outcome that we wanted with the process? The process is all about making sure that the result we want achieved is achieved correctly and on time. So that's what we're dealing with here. The issue isn't measuring their performance so that there can be a consequence when they fail. The issue here is trying to get them to perform at a level that makes the business successful and so that the owner's expectations are met, lower frustration, higher, you know, success in terms of just the the delivery on the promise made to the customer at every stage of the business. So that's really the goal. We got to keep that in mind. What are we trying to achieve here by maybe entertaining a consequence? Okay, the outcome is what we want. The result is what we want. That task performed correctly and on time the first time, as expected. That's what we want. So is a consequence likely to produce that? Even if we had some realistic consequences that we could impose, would it really achieve the desired outcome? That's where I think coaching is something that we need to consider. I just don't see consequences as a standard practice for management as being a practical tool. I just don't think it's a relevant response when someone fails to produce that result, even after they've been given the process. Especially long-term. Motivating that way or trying to get someone to change something out of those type of tactics, this isn't a good long-term plan, especially for the same person. Yeah, so the question is, how do we get there? We still have to have that person meeting that standard that's outlined in the process, in the the document that you've used to delegate a particular task to a position within the company. We still have to get to Mm -hmm. that outcome. The question is how. That's where I think coaching, if you can have this picture in your mind, one opportunity or one option is the drill sergeant who's screaming in the face of their recruit until they get it right. Okay, that's one option. A, A parent with a child saying... You stole the cookie, then you lied about it. So yes, I'm going to flick your hand so that you go, I, I okay, stealing's not okay, lying's not okay. There is a consequence to that as a child, but we can't we can't see ourselves as the parent and our employees as children. If you're operating from that perspective, it creates this massive gap in the potential that your company is actually able to uh, uh, you know achieve. So we got to think of it differently. I want to put a different picture, not coaching as a professional coach or as a life coach or as a business coach, although that does go on. 
I want to talk about being a coach in the, the spirit of an athletic team. When I played football, grade school, junior high, and into high school, this is the, the, the mentality. You have a coach that shows up to every game. Every team player has the playbook. You have all the plays that the offense runs. You have all the plays that the defense run. Kickoff, return, kickoff. You always have a documented play that you can refer to. So when the coach calls the play based on his strategy, he sees the field, he sees the competition, he knows what he's dealing with, he knows his team, so he can call plays that he thinks are going to be the most effective to do what? To win. To win. To advance the ball down the field, to score touchdowns, and to be victorious by winning, putting more points on the scoreboard. So that's during the game. Now during practice, you get the playbook out and you run through those plays. You practice them. And when they're not run right, you run them again. That was my experience because I never bothered to practice. I never bothered to read. I never bothered to study the playbook. So I always found myself on defense. It just was less thinking. I just love being on that side of the ball. Anyway, but when I'd get put in, you know, into the backfield, it's time for me to you know, run a play in. Oh, shoot. I wish I had been practicing. I wish I'd been studying those plays because now I've forgotten, you know, I know what snap it is, but I don't know which back's getting the ball and I don't know which hole to run through. And so and during practice, that would become very evident. Wow, Aaron, you haven't, you haven't practiced the plays either. I'd be pulled out or we'd run it again. You know, and, and there's everybody on that team has a very, very specific role to play on that particular play. Blocking pulling out, faking, you know, there's all kinds of things that are, that are being choreographed in that play that have to be executed just right for it to work. And so when the coach is on the sideline, he's watching the team practice, they don't run it right. Well, if they can't run it right in practice, they're not going to run it right in the game on Friday night. Eep, blow the whistle, run it again. You didn't do this, you need to do this. Okay, you went up the two, you're supposed to go up the four. Run it again. You run it again. Ah, dang, nope. You still didn't get it right. Run it again. And that's the role of practice. Because I imagine if you're the quarterback and you have you make a mistake, it's not, hey, go home, you're done with practice for the day. Right. That sounds absurd. Because he's not going to improve, he's not going to get better. Right. Now, you might have a player who just isn't engaging, and you might sure. say, you know what, you're going to run some laps. It, it, and, and I think that has as much to do with conditioning as it does as, a, as an active way of helping. But it the, still has a benefit to him. There's, yeah, you, they, they, they benefit from that one or the other. But it isn't in and of itself going to help them run the play any better. So you can have them run all the laps, all the wind sprints, all the lines in the world. That in and of itself, that consequence doesn't help them run the play. And just like you said, you can't send them home. The goal is, here, here's, here's, here's really, I think, the nub of it. The role that practice plays for a, a team or an individual player on the team is no different than a Sawyer, a major up technician, an installer, a machine operator, a programmer, a finisher. Here's the issue. We've been talking about mastery. The owner is delegating their mastery through a written document, the process. So we've communicated that. We've got somebody with less skill, less experience that's now taking on a task that the owner knows and expects to be done. The owner does it second nature. He's so familiar with it, so experienced that it happens without thinking. It's, it's a conditioned, in a sense, response. The owner doesn't have to think about it. That's the whole problem with most owners is they don't ever think about the fact that their employees don't know what they're thinking. Same thing is true on the field. When you practice it and practice it and practice it, 
when you're start, when you're first learning and the, the coach is blowing the whistle and saying, run it again, it's mental. You're having to think and you're getting flustered. Run it again. Well, that repetition, that opportunity to rerun the play over and over until it becomes second nature, the longer into the season you get with those plays, the more you practice them, actually, the less you have to practice them because they become second nature. Everybody on the team knows exactly where to be at the exact right time because they've run that play over and over and over. That is the image I'm trying to convey here in terms of the role that we have as owners that want our staff to rise to the level that we know is possible through effective delegation by establishing our expectations and measurable standards. Think of it in terms of a coach. When it's not run right, we go back and say we got to rerun this again. There's a lack of clarity. Either you haven't been studying the playbook, you forgot to refer to the document that had the written standard, or you just haven't done it enough, or maybe you got flustered, maybe things are too busy. But look, you got to run this play the right way. And so that's the picture I want to present or suggest as an alternative to imposing consequences. Recognize that for people to get to your level of expectation, it's going to take reminders. It's going to take repetition. They're going to need you coming out and saying, no, that's not what I meant. I know that's what you think I meant. I need you to do it. Let me show you. Let me show you how to set this up. Let me show you how to a shortcut for getting that outcome. So the owner might be thinking, how long, how long do I have to coach them? Is mm. it just, is it internal forever? Is it, or can they just give them the playback and run with it? Well, I think that's the tendency, even my own experience is to, I gave you the playbook didn't you take it home and read it before you went to bed last night? I expected you to have this memorized, you know, by this morning mm-hmm. when you came into work. That, that's, a, I think it's an easy expectation to have, but it's unrealistic. Especially if you know it. Like, if you know it inside and out. Yeah. You're like, all right, I reviewed it once for you. Here's the book. You should be able to run, take it and run with it. Yeah. Flap your wings. Yeah. But it's more more complicated than that. Yeah, and three weeks later, I shouldn't be dealing with this. Yeah. You, you should have this down. I already get in, in a sense, that's a, it's, a, it's a reasonable expectation if all the information mm-hmm. is there. But in a practical world, the question is what happens when they don't? Like well, you said with the coaching, because if they have the playbook and they're running it, it's like, well, I gave you the playbook. Why, do, why don't you know it? It's like, well, yeah. you got to run it. And there's other things. Even if they have the playbook, when they read it, they might understand it or digest that information differently yep. and just process it differently. Yep. But going through the mindset of a coach, it's – I want your best interest. I got the company's best interest. I trust that you have the best interest for the company too. Yep. So working from that perspective, yep. it's setting up to be to reach those uh, reach those goals. Yep. And just to know that there's an investment that goes on. Another word for this would be training. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, training is necessary. If you're going to hand off a critical task to somebody, you need to have the documentation so they know what your expectations are. But there's going to need to be some of that nurturing, that looking over their shoulder. Ah, nah, 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 nah. You know what? Stop real quick before you ruin that piece or before you waste that time. That has got you, You've got to just have that as part of your own expectations if you're talking about how do you maximize the impact of this, this method or this discipline of effective delegation. You've got to know that it also requires ongoing reminders nurturing, coaching, running the play again. Because you're looking at the bigger picture. If there's a mistake, it's like, ah, this is everything points to right here at this moment right now. But if you step back and look at the full picture, what six months, what's the year look like, that coaching, that's when it really gets its dividends and pays pays for that investment. Yeah. And then over time, you actually do. Again, we're talking about the result. Is a consequence 
inflicting pain, some sort of financial impact on them? Is that mm-hmm. going to help them follow that process that you've given them? Probably not. Probably not. Maybe they'll be more stressed out and more, you know, uh, anxious, and maybe maybe they'll be more likely to follow it. Maybe they'll be less likely because they're so apprehensive of making a mistake. Who knows? Yeah. But with that nurturing, that that reminder that we got to run this again. If a coach wasn't necessary, you know, you just pass out the playbooks and everybody gets together and we'll we'll do our best to run these plays and hopefully we improve. But the fact is, is that as you practice those over the season you have to practice them less and less because they become more and more second nature. Everybody knows, call the play, we can run it. We don't even have to think about it. Nobody's thinking about it. It has become second nature. And that's a perfect analogy of using a team and a coach in relationship to the company running that because it's so easy to go back to that default setting of like, ah, you made me suffer financially and now I'm going to make you suffer some way too. And it's just from the other human element of a eye for an eye type type mindset. But if you back it up and you look at it from the lens of a coach, it's like, ah, that makes more sense. Yep. I think it's more relatable. It's a great analogy. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're like me, Wes, you, you, you've, you've suffered in the sense I've, I've implemented this process now, now, and someone hasn't followed it. What do I do? Do I impose a consequence? I would say, the risk is far greater than the potential reward if you want to impose consequences for not following the process. I think adopting a coach's mindset. Now, maybe you haven't played team sports, and so this analogy is a little bit mm-hmm. you know, vague, and you really don't grasp it. Um, but, but if you have, I think this is a much better way to see yourself in that role. So what's my response? Okay, I'm going to respond like a drill sergeant. Or I'm going to go off and stew and go, I got to impose some consequence, which has no practical value. Or I'm going to step up. I'm going to blow the whistle, point this out. This wasn't done right. We need to understand why you ran this play wrong. Walk me through it, and then let's do it again. I want to see you do it right the next time. We got to cut this backsplash. It's tapered. You cut it. You cut the tapered backsplash wrong again. We, we can't continue to have this problem. We got we got to get to the point where you understand this concept of setting up the fence, <laughs> you know, offsetting the piece so the blade cuts the taper on the right side of the splash so it fits under that goofball mirror that was installed at an angle or whatever the situation is. Whatever the task is, if it's new to the individual doing the task, they're going to need that opportunity to be reminded, to be coached, to be nurtured until they get to the point where they've mastered it. And then you've achieved something fantastic. You've accomplished something very, very significant. You have done this. You have transferred that mastery that you spent years acquiring, developing. Now you have the benefit. You can multiply it because now you don't have to physically do it. You've got somebody trained to perform that task at the level that you know is necessary. And that is an amazing accomplishment. Because I know as a coach, when you put that time in and you see that employee or player be successful, Mm -hmm. There's a feeling of like, yeah, 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 it clicked. He got it. Yeah. And then employee looks back at you and be like, hey, thanks. Yeah. And there's a we feeling, just killed it. We just did it. You know, we, we worked together. We got it. Yeah. And there's not a um, a uh, apprehension or like uh, a frustration associated with that relationship. Yep. It's like, hey, you know what? Yeah. You helped me. You were patient and you guided me along. And yep. for that, I'm thankful. Yep. And sometimes folks just it's certain concepts, certain things just take a while before they click. And then there's mm-hmm. that moment where it's like. Ah, if you force somebody out or consequence them to death before they get to the point where it clicks mm-hmm. and they get it, 
oh, you've suffered all of those mistakes and you get no benefit from it. And so that coaching, nurturing, reminding, you know, sort of mentality is what allows you to get there. Because you can turn those mistakes into experience. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, I know not to do that now. And I and I learned from that. I grew yep. from that. Not And, and so it yep. works out. Yep. And the company benefits from there on out. Yeah. They can le- add to it. You know, you can you can put new tasks on that person because those other tasks are now being performed second nature without being even, they're not even thinking about them. They just do them without even, it's not even, it's all subconscious. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen. That's the difference between consequences and coaching. And so if you, um, you know, if you've got employees and you're starting to implement this practice, if you're starting to put this methodology to work that I wrote about in Less Chaos, More Cash, uh, there, there's some, you know, there, there's some insight into how to, to continue the implementation of this methodology. And so hopefully that was of use to you. If you haven't read the book, Less Chaos, More Cash, in a sense, it's the playbook for owners. <laughs> it's it's the it's the method and the um, the practical tools for implementing this idea of how to delegate what you know, fellow stone shop owner, what you know, supervisor, the mastery that you've accumulated. If you want to transfer that to your employees so they ha- you know produce amazing results, less chaos, more cash was the book I wrote to help owners and supervisors accomplish that. And so if you haven't checked out AaronCrowley.com, you can go and actually buy a copy, a hardback copy. I'll personally sign it. You can also download the first three chapters for free. And so make sure you visit AaronCrowley.com. And while you're at AaronCrowley.com, you can also check out the Stone Shop Business Survey, a 20-point review of your own business, allowing you to kind of step back and assess the four critical components of success in your Stone Shop. Find out if there's some areas where you might need to spend some time uh, and maybe fixing some things that also might give you the insight to say, hey, I got to pat myself on the back. We're doing a killer job in this particular area of the business. So ladies and gentlemen, what a pleasure as always. Make sure you tune in next week because we did another interview with an amazing fabrication shop owner who is doing some incredible things and shared some amazing information with us. And so make sure you check back episode 73 for that awesome interview. And until then, happy fabricating. 